Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And hi, here we are again. Uh, we've been on the road. We've kept the roads in Utah hot this week. And uh, we actually, a lot of our time has been spent moving our son and daughter-in-law and six little children into their new home. And we are just so thrilled about one of our nine children moving back to Utah. That'll bring our grand total of close families with grandkids up to two. Right. Two out of nine. I don't know. Maybe we should spend a whole show someday, Linda, talking on various methods for talking your grown children with your grandchildren children into moving closer to you so that you can see your grandkids more often. Well, I mean, here we are with, we have a, a son in Zurich with, with, uh, we have one in uh, a daughter in London. We have a son in Maui. These kids live too far away from us. Seriously though, we travel so much. We don't mind, but we are now, we have a resolution to cut down on travel. So we're hoping to reel the kids in and get them living closer to us. And it happened with one of them. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't think we would be the experts to talk on the radio about that. No, I don't either. We are not good at that at all. We're bad at it. And we just have actually, uh, uh, actually, we have a daughter-in-law, several daughters-in-law and daughters who would love to come. But man, you know, we just traveled too much with those kids when they were little. That's our problem. We did. So we're um, we are excited this week to to spend a little time on Ayers on the Road, talking about. Well, first of all, it does tie into travel because we're off for New York to do some work the next few days, and also to uh, play in a national tennis tournament. I might as well say it. I'm playing in the national grass court tennis tournament. But then we're going over oh, to Europe. Wait a minute. You, you I'm just not say, brush no, over not that. You don't need that. to brush over that. This guy is crazy that. about tennis. Crazy about tennis. We have these national tennis tournaments that come up all the time, which is kind of fun. Um, but um, you're going to wear your cheerleaders outfit. Yeah, time. he's just an amazing, amazing tennis player. And actually, he's ranked number one in Utah for his age. Well, well, come on, Linda. For Let's your not age, get into that. kind of an old age, that. but. Um, anyway, he just keeps saying, I'm just going to keep playing until everybody else dies, no, okay, let's and then I'm going to win. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, 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 that last part is true, that every five years you go into a new age group category in the USTA, the National Tennis Association, and I keep moving up in the rankings, not because I'm getting any better, but because people are dropping off. <laughs> it's a war of attrition. If I stay in, in long enough, I'll be ranked number one because I'll be the only one left, maybe when I'm in the 100 division. Yeah. Some of our kids think I'm 100 right now, our grandkids, by the way. Yeah, little, they do. A little gal came up to me the other day, a six-year-old, and said, Grandfather, how old are you? Let me guess. Are you 100? <laughs> <laughs> so I said, no, but that's my goal. I'd like to get to 100, which, by the way, ties into what we're going to talk about today. Well, it was when you had kind of a scruffy white beard this summer. He grew out a beard. And oh, don't tell that, Linda. People you know. aren't supposed to know. Oh, yeah. I was you in were isolation. Oh, man. I anyway. Was a, it was a goatee. Yeah, right. Anyway, um, we have had moving a lot on our minds. How many times do you think we've moved in our lives 
I don't know. I wonder. But, oh, but a lot of we times. We were empathizing with this. Oh, son my goodness. These kids. Of ours moving from Orange County. They were unloading the moving van the other day. It was just so much work. Well, interestingly, we were on the other end helping him move in when they left the last day of school. And now helping they just move moved out. back, move out, move into the van. <laughs> and then now we're here on the other end, kind of helping him move back into a new house on the first day of school in Utah, which um, was this week for a lot of people and next week for a lot of people. And anyway, crazy. what I was saying before you distracted me on the tennis was we're going over to Europe. And the reason we're going is to work on our, our book, the book, the turning is being made into a documentary film. We're very excited about that. I mean, Film is the is the way people really get into things these days, and we're excited to see uh, this book made into a documentary film. But the there's always trade offs, and we were scheduled to be the keynote speakers at the Family Roots Conference held in St. George on September 15th and 16th. If you have ever thought of going to a roots conference, you ought to do it. Or if you've never thought of it, you ought to do it. It's a, it's a marvelous thing to get there. And, and, you know, some people think, oh, it'd be a genealogy conference. It would just be, you know, a bunch of librarian types just talking about research and names and dates and dusty old records and so on. But a lot of you would know that it's, something much more than that. The, the whole world seems to be experiencing kind of an awakening, don't you think, Linda, on, on interest in ancestors? I mean, part of it is the genetic stuff, right? 23 and me, the chromosome stuff, the DNA stuff, where, where you can now find out what your ancestry is uh, racially and other ways uh, through, through uh well, through simple medical, through through simple DNA testing. It's a, actually an international phenomenon. People are really interested in where they came from and what their roots are. And this year, I think they're really um, going for the younger crowd because they yeah. have special classes for young people. Um, I mean, teenagers are into it. Um, it's, it's quite incredible how many teenagers love that, but also young adults. Lots of young adults are doing this right now. Um, and so we actually are going to be keynote speakers there, but just we actually we're not going to be there. We're, we're but gonna. we are going to be there because yesterday we just did um, a video, which was a lot of fun, um, which will take up about half of our time and uh, talked about our ancestors and uh, showed a lot of fun visual aids because we were here at our place where we have so many visual aids. Then um, we have a son and daughter-in-law, the ones that just moved to Provo, who are going to take over for the last half. They They're will be so fun. They will attract that young audience. And they really will. You know, Linda, it's so, it's so, it, it's really, we're pretty lucky, actually. There haven't been many times when we've had to, we speak a lot, as you listeners know, and, and usually we've, I think this is the first time in years we've had to sort of beg out of a, an engagement. We were we were so sorry to call the organizer of the Roots Conference and tell her that we were going to be in Europe and we had no choice. This, this film just, uh, you know, the producer of this film just needs us to be there. But again, 
we were so glad that we could say, hey, how about having our son and daughter-in-law take our place in doing the keynote and we'll do this video. So we'll actually be there even though we won't be there. And she was agreeable and so it all worked out fine. But we would like to kind of promote it a little. Those of you who would be interested in going to the Roots Conference, Family Roots Expo, it's called, held at the Dixie Center. We'll have our producer put it up on the on the website of BYU Radio, yeah. the website. Let me just say it's September 15th and 16th, and there are so many classes. But John, by the way, is going to be there, whom we love. And Justin and Merrill Osmond, um, that might be a father and son. I think that is a father and son thing. And then Glenn Rawson, whom we all love. And then also um, Gentry is going to be there. Um, they the are tenors, pretty the amazing. Tenors. They've just gone to India with risingstar.org, which is another favorite of our organizations, and made um, a video. You should go onto YouTube and look for it. Just go to Gentry and you'll see it. It's uh, them dealing with these beautiful leprosy-affected people in India, and it is just heart-wrenching. It's so beautiful. So you're going to be in for a great treat if you have a chance to go down there on the 15th and 16th. Yeah, I, and then we'll, again, we'll be there in spirit and in video. And But we wanted to expand a little today on this whole idea of young people becoming more interested in genealogy and in genetics. Um, part of our, we've talked about this on the, on the show before, Linda, but a lot, of, a lot of kids today, one of the main problems is, do they have an identity? Do they, do they have an identity larger than themselves? We know how many kids grow up without strong families today, without nuclear families, and maybe don't have the kind of family structure that we wish they would have. But what they all have is a genetic history and a genealogical history. And knowing those things sort of gives you a place, gives you an image, gives you an identity that can make a big, big difference to kids. It makes kids more resilient if they know who their ancestors were, where they came from, if they know a few stories about those ancestors. And it certainly gives them a feeling of, uh, pride is not the right word maybe, but a, a feeling of well, I guess it, it's a kind of a good kind of pride. I know where I came from. I know who my ancestors were. <clears throat> I know some of the things they did. I am not just an entity separate from others. I came from somewhere. I came from these people. I have their blood in my veins. Man, let me tell you that I am over my head in this right now. It's pretty incredible. I, I'm doing a book on for grandmothers, which won't be out until Mother's Day, but one of the chapters is about six of my grandmothers who were astonishing people. They were just ordinary women, just just doing well, they really did extraordinary hard things, things doing yeah. extraordinary things. And uh, I, literally all day yesterday, I spent going through their history and just being in awe. I mean, I have a grandmother who um, was in Denmark with her husband. They had six children, had joined the church. Before they left, they decided to want to immigrate be with the, the saints in Utah before they left their oldest daughter, 13 years old died. They go get on this plane and make their way to Hamburg. I mean, plane that I wish <laughs> where I am. Wait a minute. Your great grandmother um, <laughs> got on a plane and became a pioneer. <laughs> they they were, went across the plane. They didn't go not, on. A plane. Right. right. <laughs> 
So um, they got on this, this ship, the Franklin, in, in Hamburg. And two weeks out, they discovered somebody had gotten on that boat with 1,500 people with the measles. And honestly, it just spread like wildfire. Oh. So it was so sad. One by one, the three little girls, a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, a, their two-and-a-half, I guess three-year-old, buried in the ocean. And then their little 11-year-old son, just as they saw New York, he also got it. And they just took him onto land and buried him there. Wow. You know, it, and then she was pregnant on that ship and throwing up while all these children were dying. I cannot imagine a woman doing that. But you know what she did? She got out and they got into, uh, went to St. Louis, got on a wagon train, and she walked 1,000 miles pregnant with this little girl. And in fact, that little girl was the Osmonds great grandmother how interesting is that isn't that something and uh so there'd be no donnie and marie if that hadn't happened right <laughs> if she had succumbed on that trip herself which she probably wished to at times but wow these people are amazing i am so glad that i have their genes in my body that their blood runs through my veins it makes a difference when i come up onto hard things and we've had a few of our own um, I just, you know, no, buck up, you know, you can do this because your ancestors are, they have, they have this kind of grit and you can do it too. So. And as wonderful a story as that is, Linda, you have, you have dozens of those in yeah, your family I do. and I do. And everyone does. That's the everyone thing. Has everyone a has yeah. a story. And, and I like to think of roots and these conferences and genealogy as this, the, the seeking for stories, the seeking of your story. And then it becomes really exciting and it becomes interesting to kids, even young kids. You can take these stories of ancestors and translate them into children's language. They'll become your kids' favorite bedtime stories. Let's take a brief break and when we come back, more about family roots and a little preview of the video speech that we're giving there as a keynote. We'll be right back. And we're back, Ayers on the Road, talking a little about family roots, family genealogy, family genetics. Who are you in terms of where you came from through your progenitors, through your ancestors? Whose DNA do you carry? Whose genes do you carry? Whose blood runs in your veins? It's like a detective story sometimes when we delve into this and find out about those who went before and who are the reason why we're here well you know not all that you find will be good we do have to say that because everybody's just not perfect but you know especially the women it just seemed are so were so incredible this grandfather um that you know went through all the trials with her that we were talking about in the first half actually ended up leaving her for another woman and I mean, not in an illegitimate way, but anyway. And I have a um, couple of horse thieves in, yeah, my, in and, my ancestry. And so, you Bless know. their hearts. I wonder how they stole those horses. I'd, I'd like to know more. <laughs> I know. They don't record things like that. Um, but you know what? The best part of that is your kids need to know those things, too. Um, because, for example, my mother. Wait, they need to know that they had a, a great-grandpa who was a horse thief? Yeah, because. They might they might start stealing things. No, <laughs> no because there's always an 
oscillating story involved in that. In other words, there's always something that comes around that you learn from those bad things that happen and those hard things that happen. And also, uh, you see if the ancestor overcame the adversity, then you can do it too. Right. Or if the, their relative overcame it, the kids or the, you know, if they stood up and said, okay, this was a hard thing, but we can go on. And I do have to say that uh, my mother, when they had 10 children in their family in Star Valley, Wyoming, and um, her mother, they, the terrible Spanish influenza hit Star Valley in 1920. You know, that thing killed more than people that died in the plague. It killed more than all the people that died in World War One and World War II combined. Can isn't you that, imagine that? that? amazing? I mean, really, so many people in Star Valley were dying. So my sweet grandmother, 38 years old, with 10 children, died in her parlor, in her house in Star Valley, along with a lot of other people who were in beds then. And uh, that same week, her little um, three-year-old died, and then her nine-month-old baby died. Same week, take him out in the dark, bury him. That is such a dreary story. But then you say to your kids when you're telling a bedtime story, this is what happened. Those older kids rallied, and they found people who helped them. And all six of those girls became great, great teachers. They all became school teachers. They all became school teachers who made huge difference in people's lives. And the guys became great farmers and businessmen. And so you tell them the oscillating story. You know, what what happens when hard things happen? You know, you buck up and you, you survive it. And it actually helps you to propel that, yourself forward. That kind of seeps into their, their persona and who, who children are. I mean... Who knows, Linda? Maybe maybe a kid heard those stories over and over, and he's having a tough time in school, and he's like, "Wait a second! Six of my great aunts were school teachers. I can do this math. I I'm, I can I can I can overcome <laughs> right. my academic problems." Right, right, right exactly. Anyway, one a little preview of what we're doing on our keynote at the Roots Conference. By the way, St. George is a pretty nice place to go. Um, St. George, Utah, in September, in the fall, it'll it's be warm beautiful, and beautiful down there. Down there. Yeah. But they they actually asked us to speak a little on a new book of ours called Life in Full, and we've talked a little about this on the show before. But it's a book written basically to baby boomer age, basically to people in their fifties and sixties, kind of like us, and and uh, people who really want to make the most of what we call the autumn of life. And even though, like you say, Linda, this Roots Conference is catering more and more to young people this year, you can bet that the majority of those, and, and frankly, let's be honest, the majority of those who are really delving into genealogical research are a little older. And what a blessing, what a wonderful thing to have to work on, especially if you're retired or if you're you know, if you have a little more time on your hands, maybe you're an empty nest parent, your kids are gone, you don't have as many responsibilities, and you begin to shift some of your attention to, I mean, it's interesting, you've spent so much time on, on those who follow you, your children, now you can spend a little more time on those who went before you, your ancestors. But anyway, they wanted us to spend some time talking about life in full, this new book, and, and, and you know, I just wanted to say in preview or giving you a little idea of what we're saying in this keynote, there are seven decisions. We start out the book by saying there are seven decisions, and more than any other generation from any other time and from any other place, 
baby boomers today have the opportunity to make seven personal destiny determining decisions. You can leave them all to chance or you can actually, number one, decide how long you want to live because the number of years you want will likely be a factor in how many you have. And it'll affect how you eat, it'll affect how you exercise, it'll affect everything. You can decide who you want to spend those years with and how to prioritize family. You can decide how you want to look and how you want to feel because you have some control over those Now wait, things. I'd like to look better. I'd like to not have so many wrinkles. Is there Well, yeah, you just that? decide that and then every night when you're sleeping, those wrinkles just start going away. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, that, that works. Um, decide how much money you will need because even though money's not an end, it is a means. Decide what you want to keep and what you want to start doing because that will determine what you discard and what you stop doing. Decide which God you believe in and which self you will be and decide who your legacy will be, not what your legacy will be because our real legacy are, is our grandkids and our family. And so you know, one of the things we're going to do in this keynote is just try to get people to think about this next season of life you know again those of us in their in our 50s and 60s probably have another 20 good years and what are we going to do with that time and how is it going to relate to both our our progenitors our ancestors and our what do you call our our children our posterity our progeny, our yeah. progeny. That's the interesting words. They start with P, don't they? Our yeah. progenitors and our progeny. Yeah, I like Go in that. both directions. You're the, you're the trunk in between your branches and your roots. That's a pretty neat way to think of yourself. Don't you like being a trunk? I do like being a trunk. I like it better than just being a little leaf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. And little babies, they're just leaves and twigs, but we're trunks. Right, right. but soon they will be trunks. That's That's what's interesting, so... Um, but it really is interesting to think about getting older. For those of you 20-year-olds who are listening, sorry, but um, you, you know, I used to think that 40 was really old. I remember thinking that clearly, and now uh, 40 seems really young to me. So, um, but this this conference really is going to appeal to all ages. In fact, they're going to do a special thing on Saturday. With John, by the way, who, if you haven't heard him, he is dynamite, especially with kids. I mean, with everybody, but he's so great with kids. And so they have a free event for kids from 12 to 17 with John, by the way, on Saturday. And so, you know, it can really be a family affair. I don't think you want to take your three-year-old, but, you know, you can <laughs> you can take your, your teenagers and, and they would love it. So we're kind of bouncing back and forth now between the the reasons that young kids should know about their ancestors and the people who really do most of the work who are you know the older folks and uh, again our speech is going to kind of try to relate a little bit to both one of the things that we recommend for people who are retiring or getting close to retiring or thinking of a new phase of life sort of after the kids are gone and after the career is, is ended, what do you do with your time? Maybe you work in the temple, you work in genealogy, you do other things, you, you get involved in service, you get involved in humanitarian work. 
But what we're what we're saying basically is that you shouldn't do this in a reactionary way. You should do it in a proactive way. You should sit down and take some time and formulate a strategy or an approach or a plan for this next part of your life, this extra 20 years that, that other generations before us didn't even have. You know, seven, 70 is... Uh, 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 you know, it's, it's the new 50. Oh yeah. In it's, fact, it's, uh, people we 50 used to think I've got 20 more years. Now people who are 70 think I've got 20 more years. You know, it's interesting because so many of the grandmas I was studying about yesterday died at 60 or 61. And it's just right across the board. If actually I found one that made it to 73 and that was really, really, really old. old. That yeah. was really old. So, so what we're suggesting is that you know, if you fall into that age category and you're looking at this this next 20 years, be be proactive in developing a strategy. And and what we've found in our speaking and our seminars that we do, if you say to someone, "Hey, get a plan. Sit down and get a plan for the next 20 years," that's a little intimidating. People don't know quite where to start or what to do. But what we've found is the easiest way to start is just to create 10 folders, empty folders. They can be just manila folders or they can be folders on, on your computer. Um, but, but just start them, label them, and then put things in them as things occur to you. And you'll understand what I mean when I tell you what these are. Now, before you tell them, it can be a folder on your computer. That's what I said. Oh, sorry. I missed that. But, you know, a lot of older people like manila folders. You could do that, too. I said that, too. Oh, you did. I'm, where was I? <laughs> You're standing right here by me. Okay. <laughs> so, so here would be the ten folders you could start. They're not intimidating. You're not putting it in. You don't have – you're not being judged. You're not putting anything in them yet. You're just – having these folders available one the possibilities folder it's like a bucket list any anytime you get an idea of something you might want to do just put it in there put it in that folder number two a character folder what are what are your character flaws that you're still trying to overcome i i, I know mine because you remind me of them quite <laughs> often <laughs> um, three a health folder where you keep track of you, you you're in charge of your health keep track of your blood pressure keep track of all the things going on and what your health needs are for a wealth folder you're going to need resources to get through these 20 years and to do the things you want to do five a faith folder that sounds funny a folder on faith but we all have questions. We all have things we're working on. We all have things we want to study more and understand better. A family and relationships folder. That's a big one, obviously. A grandkids folder. A service folder. What are you doing for other people? What do you hope to do for others? What are your skills that you want to share while you're still around? An autobiography folder. We all know we should write our family history, but to sit down and do it is so intimidating but just start a folder what are the things that someday you might want people to know about you yeah file it's more those a things. personal folder than personal folder, folder. Yeah. yeah an autobiography and finally number 10 <clears throat> you might consider putting together a little group um who would you like to be in a group if you were going to meet once a month with others your age and talk about everything from grandkids to possibilities for the future who would you want in that group? We have a group like that, and we love it. We love it. They're terrific. And if you're a young person, that's not a bad idea either. Do a book club. Do a mother's group. 
do do something to really stimulate your thought. It really is important. So, Linda, once again, the half hour flies by and we come to the end of Ayers on the Road. Well, are we at the end of the road, though? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, we've got 20 miles left in our 100-mile road. Right. That's the point. No, wait, 30 miles left in our 100-mile road. Yeah, I was going to say, wait, I'm going to be longer than that. A little more than 30. Anyway, it really is going to be. How long do you want to live? That's a good place to start your planning, by the way. It is. I I used to say 100. I'm down to 95 now. Are you? I'm getting a little creaky, yeah. So anyway, think about that. We really appreciate your <laughs> joining us on these these shows and wherever you are on the road or your home or doing lawn work, we really do appreciate you. Good luck. And join us next time for Ayers on the Road. See you then. Bye-bye.